Y'all ahead of me, aren't you? Y'all already ahead of me. That's exactly what God does. He keeps getting that stuff out of our life till he can see himself in us. I want that for me. Do you want that for you? I want that for me. I want the Lord to see his reflection in my life. And in order for that to happen, I've got to be in the Word. And I hope you've been in the Word. And we're in verse 4. We're in verse 4. There are two more verses and one more Sunday. What am I going to do? You know what I found out the last two Sundays, though? He is the way maker. And he will make a way for me to get two Sundays, two verses into one Sunday. He'll make a way. Do y'all believe? I'm asking you this morning, do you believe? (laughs) Two verses, one Sunday. Glory. I can do it. That's change I can believe in. All right. We're talking this morning from verse 4, how to be at peace with God. Um, The 23rd Psalm is the most quoted chapter in the whole Bible. And I think maybe verse 4 is the most quoted verse in that chapter. Let's all read it together. Going to read it out of the King James Version. That way when we die, we'll go to heaven. So let's read right out of the King James Version. Psalm 23, verse 4. Y'all ready? Hold on just a minute. Hold on, hold on. Yay. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. All right. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Death is not a popular subject. Matter of fact, you can bring up death in a conversation and people will change the subject like changing channels on a television. We do everything possible as humans to avoid talking about the subject of death. Man is the only creature God made who knows he's going to die, and he tries desperately to forget about it. But death is a reality. And death, really, when you read the Bible and study the Bible, death is something that we need to um, actually make peace with. And it is something that we ought to anticipate and not fear. God does not want you to fear death. I want to make a statement, and I'm going to make this statement at the end of the sermon as well. Did you know you are not ready to live now until you are no longer afraid to die? You cannot live your life to the fullest right now until you deal with this fear of death. So let's talk about how to make peace with death or how to be at peace with death. The valley of the shadow of death. A lot of people don't know this, but there's actually a valley in Palestine called the valley of the shadow of death. It starts as a spring up between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's about 2,700 feet above sea level, and it flows down, and over the centuries, uh, this constantly flowing water has cut a ravine, a chasm, a little grand canyon, if you will, as it flows through those Judean hills. From 2,700 feet above sea level, it flows into the Dead Sea, which is 1,300 feet below sea level. Do you think I'm going to let uh, Dr. Doug Beecham get up here and talk about all that stuff and me not get up here and tell you stuff I know too? <laughs> Wasn't that a great sermon last week? Didn't he preach a great sermon? I tell you, Jared preached the one I wrote out for him, and so did Doug Beecham and those guys. Man, you write them a good sermon, them boys can preach. All right. So it flows down, and it created this this 
little Grand Canyon, really, if you will. And, he, and, the, and the shepherds named this canyon the Valley of the Shadow of Death. The reason they did is because it, there's a lot of reasons. It's very narrow at the bottom. In some places, it's only 12 feet wide. Even at high noon, when the sun is at its peak, there are still shadowy places, dark, shadowy places in that, in that valley, in that canyon. There are caves in there. And um, back in Bible times, there were mountain lions and hyenas, and there were bears, and uh, there were robbers, and thieves would hide up in there so that when people came through, they would take advantage of them. Um, because there were so many places they could hide. There were jagged rocks and many, many places in the valley of the shadow of death where sheep could fall and become injured or die. And so it was a frightening place. It was a, it was a place with grotesque shadows on the wall. But it was not only a frightening and scary place, it was also a very useful, very, very useful place. And this is important. In the winter, not much grass grew anywhere, so the shepherds would take the sheep down to Jericho, and to get there, they had to go through this valley of the shadow of death, and they would winter there in Jericho because there was lush grass in that area even during the wintertime. And then when springtime would come, they would journey back through the valley of the shadow of death, and they would go up to the highlands in the greener areas where the grass was lush, taking care of their sheep. And I believe that this is what David had in mind when he wrote Psalm 23 and verse 4. I believe David, no doubt, had taken his sheep as a shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death many, many times. He had made many trips through there. And as I was reading that, I kind of tried to think, you know, what was David saying if I were to put that in, in words we would understand in our culture today, I believe David was saying something like this. I believe he was saying, you know what? The Lord has been to me what I was to my sheep and what I have been to my sheep. The Lord is my shepherd as I was their shepherd. And the Lord has led me through many valleys and will lead me through the ultimate valley of the end of my life, the valley of the shadow of death. As I have led my sheep through valleys and as I have led my sheep through very difficult and trying uh, situations, my shepherd has led me through it. My shepherd has led me through the valley of the shadow of death. And just, as, and just as my sheep did not need to fear any evil because I was there to protect them, I was there with them with the rod and the staff, so my shepherd, Jehovah, is with me when I go through the valley. I believe that's what David is saying to us. And I believe that is a word for someone here today who is in the valley. I believe there are people sitting right here this morning in this service who are, who are in a valley. And you know, there are two kinds of valleys, really. There are valleys we get ourselves into because we were disobedient, because we were rebellious, and we wanted to go our own way. And so we get ourselves in valleys. But then there are valleys you go through that God sends us through. You, you remember God, uh, God sent the disciples into one storm, and then in another storm, Jonah got in there because of his own disobedience. So there are different kinds of valleys, but the fact is that when you go through the valley, God wants to draw you nearer to him. David had made peace with death, and God wants you to make peace with death. And I know this is going to stun you this morning, but I have three things. 
I want to give you that I believe if you will capture these three truths, and there are three little things under each third thing. Isn't that the coolest little outline I got for you this morning? I'm so excited about I'm, I'm excited about it for me. Amen. Okay, and so uh, principle number one, principle number one, if you want to get at peace with death, if you want to come to a place where you're not afraid of death, because what, what? You cannot live your life to the fullest now unless you are able to get rid of the fear of death. You've got to get rid of the fear of death if you are going to live to the fullest right now. Principle number one, we've got to accept death as an unavoidable event, an unavoidable event. Three things about it being an unavoidable event. Number one, death is stubborn. Death is a stubborn event. Psalm 23 and 4, big, uh, big little word there, yay. Not nay, but yay. That word yay means definitely so. It kind of means listen up, this is big. Listen up, this is true. What I'm about to say is absolute truth. And here, what is he about to say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So it is a stubborn fact. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews 9, 27, the Bible says everybody sitting in this room has an appointment with death. Everybody sitting in this room. <laughs> you know, it's kind of rainy and gloomy outside the day and we're in here and I'm preaching about death. Aren't y'all just excited today? Aren't y'all just on top of the world right now? Stay in there with me. You will be before the sermon's over. Hebrews 9, 27 says each one of us has an appointment with death. There's a new statistic out. Write this down. This is very, very important. New statistic. One out of one person is going to die. One out of one. <laughs> Romans 5 and 12 says what has been passed upon all of us, death. Romans 5 and 12, because of the death of Adam and Eve, or because of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, death has been passed upon, everybody say it, all, all of us. The only exception to that is what? Jesus coming, what the choir sang about today. Yahweh is coming. Yahweh is coming. And you may be alive when Jesus comes. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I remember a book that came out, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Y'all remember that book? And if he did, we are up the creek, buddy. Let me tell you right now. We're up the creek, but I don't even know why we're here. <laughs> he didn't come. He didn't come. He would have told me. All right. So the only exception to your dying is if Jesus returns. And I welcome that. That may make you tremble today if you don't know Jesus. But I got to tell you something. I'm getting homesick. I really am. I really am. Uh, it is a stubborn event. Number two, death is an uncertain event. We don't know when it's going to happen. David says he's walking through the valley. It's kind of like a picture of us walking through life. You know, I get up every morning, you know, and do, 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 and I'm just going through life. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I picked up my paper the other day, and an 18-year-old boy got on his motorcycle in Princeton and headed out down the road, and his life was gone. We don't know. We do not know when death is coming. As a matter of fact, David said in 1 Samuel 20 and 3, David says, there's but one step between me and death. That's right in your Bible. That's in your Bible. 1 Samuel 20 and 3. We know old people come to a place in their life where they die. My son, uh, I don't know if he's here this morning. He's going to be in the second service. He turned 29 this week. He was talking about turning 30. And he's, I told him, I said, you're going down, man, fast. <laughs> going down fast. 
Uh, so, you know, you know, the older we get, we know we're coming to that place. You know, it's an amazing thing God does, though. I don't know. As you do get older, you, you are just more and more at peace with that thought, with that idea that that's going to happen in your life. But you know something? Sometimes mothers have to kiss their innocent and precious and helpless little babies, little children, goodbye. One writer put it this way. He said, sometimes even a child has to drop his toys and grapple with the iron strength of death. You see, it's my responsibility this morning to preach as a dying man to dying men. Because I don't know if this might be the last sermon I ever preach. It could be the last sermon I ever preach. Hear me today. It could be the last sermon you ever hear. I'm not trying to be morbid today. I'm not trying to get you down or depressed. I'm trying to get you to realize death is uncertain. And we all have an appointment with it. Look what the Bible says in James 4, 13 through 15. It says, look here, you people who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year and we'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know? James asked this person who makes such a statement, how do you know what will happen tomorrow, James says. You don't know. He says, for your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while, and then it's gone. He said, here's what you ought to say. You ought to say, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. See, what you have to understand by that last statement in that verse is that God doesn't have to take your life. All he has to do is stop giving it. See, flowing into you from him right now is life. Life. You say, oh, I don't even even acknowledge him. I don't even acknowledge his existence. The only reason I'm here is because somebody's been bugging the daylights out of me to come to church. I I don't even know if there is a God. Oh, believe me. If there wasn't, you wouldn't be here. He doesn't have to take your life. All he has to do is stop giving it. Final thing, it's a personal event. David says, yea, though, what? Yea, though, I. Yea, though, I. I noticed David didn't say, yea, though, you, or yea, though, they. He says, yea, though, what? I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You, don't hear this message for somebody else. Hear this message for you this morning. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death just like David did. You know what people think when they're in an audience like this and the pastor's preaching on death? You know what they think a lot? Tell them, preacher. Tell them. They need to hear it. Listen, listen. You need to hear it. You need to hear it. Some people bring their shovel to church. And when the preacher preaches, they catch it and they throw it to the guy behind them. Put your shovel up and receive the word of the Lord for you today. This is going to happen. It's going to happen to you. It is a message to you to meet everyone. Death is unavoidable. It is stubborn, uncertain, and personal. Look at the second principle very quickly. Not only should you accept death as unavoidable, you should acknowledge death as an enemy that's already defeated. Death is an enemy that's already been defeated on your behalf. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the what? Shadow. Didn't say I walk through death. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And let me just give you three really quick questions as we look at this idea of death being an enemy that's already defeated. Is it possible to have a valley without mountains? Nope. 
Some people think that life is nothing but one big valley because every time I talk to them, they're in it. I'm in the valley. Well, let me tell you something. If you're in a valley, that's because there are two mountaintops on each side. You can't have a valley without mountaintops. And we're going to talk about it in just a minute. You can't have shadows without light. You can't have shadows without light. You, you can't have these things. And, and you cannot have evil without a greater good. So you can go ahead and fill in all your blanks and just listen to me preach now. You remember I told you that Psalm 22, what's the chapter right before Psalm 23? Y'all are awesome. Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a mountain psalm. Psalm 23 is a valley psalm. And Psalm 24 is a mountain psalm. Amen? <laughs> that just, I, I didn't even plan to do that. That's just something I just came up with right there. And I, I'm sharp as a tag. I, I don't like to say it, but, you know. Anyway, so why is Psalm 22 a mountain psalm? Because it talks about the crucifixion of the king. As a matter of fact, the guy who wrote Psalm 22 if you read it, it's like he was there when Jesus was crucified. Psalm 22 is all about the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, we know he wasn't there because Psalm is in which part of the Bible? The Old Testament. And Jesus was crucified in the, man, you guys are on it today. And so here's, here's this, here's this. Yeah, everybody all right? Okay. So here's this, here's Mount Calvary. And then what's right after Psalm 23. 24, and it's about Jesus coming again. So 22 is about Jesus dying. 24 is about Jesus coming again. Psalm 22 is about Mount Calvary. Psalm 24 is about Mount Zion because Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem, the old city of Zion. We got two mountains. You say, well, what is Psalm 23? It's a valley psalm. And that's where Jesus is resurrected in the valley psalm. How do we know he's resurrected? Because he got crucified in 22. He's leading us in 23. So we know he came back from the grave. Are y'all listening? I mean, if you died in 22 and you're leading me in 23, mm, you came out of that grave. Somebody said, man, isn't it so sad Jesus had to, had to be buried in a borrowed tomb. I said, ain't no reason to buy one. You're just going to use it on the weekend. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jesus came back from the grave. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He's alive. He's alive. See, that's where we are. We're in the valley right now. We're in Psalm 23. We look back on Mount Calvary. We look forward to Mount Zion. Over here, we've got, the, we've got the crucifixion of the king. Over here, we've got the coronation of the king. And right here in the middle, we've got the resurrected Jesus walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we don't have to fear any evil because he is right there with us all the way through the valley. And the people said, amen. I'll ask for him if you don't give him. And then I just got to throw this in. You all remember, we talked about this earlier in John 10. It talks about the Jesus who died for us, the shepherd who died for us, and it called him the good shepherd, John 10, 11. He is the good shepherd when he died on the cross. And then in 1 Peter 5 and 4, he rose from the dead, and it calls him the chief shepherd when it talks about the resurrection. But now in this time, it calls him the great shepherd in Hebrews 13, 20 through 21, as we go through the valley, he is the resurrected one. 
He is good that he died. He is going to be chief when he returns. And he is great in the valley. Boy, I could say amen and stop preaching right now, but I'm not. Number two. Number two, three questions. The first one, can you have valleys without mountains? No. Can you have shadows without light? No. We think about shadows as eerie, scary, you know. How many of y'all remember that show a long time ago, Dark Shadows? Should not have watched that. Y'all shouldn't even know about that show. <laughs> People are like, yeah, man, that was awesome. <laughs> Vampires, you know. It's a... So all y'all who raised your hand, come up. I'm going to lay hands on you right at the service. You say, Pastor, you knew the name of it. I just heard about it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So you cannot have shadows. You can't have shadows unless you got lights. So that means even in the darkness, the light is present. Amen, amen. Don't forget about that. Some of y'all need to hear that this morning. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, death is nothing but a shadow. It'll be nothing but a shadow. When it comes time for you to die, nothing but a shadow. You don't even have to worry about it. Paul put it this way. Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection has taken the sting out of death for the believer. Amen, amen. He's taken the gloom out of the grave. Jesus has taken the dread out of dying. And the people said, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, a, a shadow can frighten you, but it can't hurt you. It can frighten you, but it can't hurt you. I heard a little story about a pastor, young pastor, whose wife became ill and passed away at a very young age and left him with a little eight-year-old daughter. He was devastated, heartbroken. She was devastated, heartbroken. He knew that as her father, he needed to, to teach her, to help her deal with this issue. He didn't really know what to say to her. And one day they were shopping a few days after the funeral. And it was late in the day and the sun was low. And so it was casting long and large shadows. And as they were sitting in the car, they looked and there was a truck parked on the curb. And the shadow of the truck was up on the side of the department store wall. It was much larger than the actual truck. She said, look, Daddy, look. She said, look how that truck is right there. Look what size it is. And daddy, look how big the shadow is. He thought, this is the moment God has provided for me. He said, honey, let me ask you a question. He said, if you were going to be hit by one of them, would you rather be hit by the truck or would you rather be hit by the shadow? She said, oh, daddy, I'd rather be hit by the shadow. Shadows can't hurt you. He said, honey, that's what happened to mama. The truck hit Jesus 2,000 years ago, so only the shadow hit mommy a few weeks ago. That's how it's going to be when you die. The truck hit Jesus at Calvary, so those who receive him as personal Savior, only the shadow will hit us on the day we leave this earth. Isaiah 9 and 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of, them, of, of death, upon them, what? A light has shined. You say, oh, pastor, I'm afraid of the shadows. I'm afraid of these shadows. You know what I say to anybody who's afraid of a shadow? Just look to the light. If you'll look to the light, and who is the light? Jesus. If you'll just get your eyes off of what's around you and look to the light, the shadow will fall behind you, and you'll never even see the shadow. You'll never even know it was there. Question number three. Is it possible 
for there to be evil without a greater good? What's the answer? No. How do you know something's evil if there's not a greater good to compare it to? Jesus, uh, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear what? No evil. Why? For thou art with me. Who is thou? Well, you've got to go back to verse 1 to find out who thou is. The. Who is my shepherd? The. L-O-R-D, capital L-O-R-D. We know when that's in the King James, that is Jehovah. Jehovah, the highest name for God. Jehovah is my shepherd. Jehovah is the thou in verse 4. Do you remember when Moses was asked to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage? you remember when Charlton Heston did that? <coughs> and so the Bible says that God came to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to lead my children out of Egyptian bondage. What was Moses' response to that? Lord, Lord, I, I, I can't do that. God, I can't do that. I, I, they ain't going to listen to me. Nobody's going to want to listen to me. I, I've got a speech impediment. I don't even talk plain. I, I don't even talk clearly, Lord. Nobody's going to listen to me. I mean, who, who would I tell them sent me? And I think when he said that, God went, I'm so glad you asked me that. He said, tell them Jehovah sent you. Tell them the great eternal God, the everlasting one, the ever existing one. Tell them the one without beginning or end sent you. Don't tell them the great I was or the great I'm going to be sent you. Tell them the great I am sent you. He said, you go tell them my name is Jehovah. And I think Moses went, all right. And so I think Moses went right then when he got that information. And um, his thought about how precious that name Jehovah is. You know, when a Jew was going to write that name, he'd go bathe. He'd go take a bath. When he was writing, when he was scribe, when the scribe was writing, and it would come time to write the name Jehovah, he would go bathe and get a new pen. And he would write the name Jehovah, and then he'd put that pen away and never write with it again. There is none greater than Jehovah. There is none greater than Jehovah. And here's the incredible thing about him. He has made himself available to us right here in this place this morning. You have access to him. Here in Psalm 23, 4, David is saying, There will be no evil threats around because Jehovah's with me. No valley without mountains. No shadows without lights. No evil without goodness. You know what that's telling us? It is simply reminding us that truth is mightier than error. You say, but pastor, when I look at the news, I feel like we're in the ninth inning and we're behind by 14 runs and this thing's about to be over. Yeah, but Jesus hadn't come to bat yet. Amen. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but write that down. That's pretty good right there. No valley without mountains, no shadows without light, no evil without goodness, no truth. The truth is mightier than error. Grace is greater than sin. The sovereign God is stronger than Satan. Don't forget it. Life is always greater than death. Number one. If you're going to have peace with death, you've got to understand that death's unavoidable. Number two, you've got to understand that death is an enemy. It's already been defeated. And then finally, you've got to admit that death is a friend. And I know this one's hard. Death is a friend? How can death be a friend? You know, one time the people at Corinth were kind of arguing about which preacher they liked the best. And Paul walked in and said, it's Pharaoh Hardison, give it up. No, Paul walked in. 
Just want to see if y'all are listening. Paul walked in and said, 1 Corinthians 3, 22 and 23, he said, he said, let me tell you some things God's blessed you with since you've come to know him. Let me, let me just list some of the blessings that have come into your life since you became a believer. He said, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world that you live in, that God has provided so much for you in this world, that God has provided food and God has provided beautiful earth. You know, I thought the other day, even with all the sin curse, God still loved us so much. This earth is so beautiful. And we live in one of the most beautiful places on it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God could have said, you know, because of your sin, I'm just going to make the whole earth a desert place. But God has given us such a beautiful earth. And he says, I've given you life. He said, that's a blessing. And then right there, look, death. God is telling us about the blessings of life. And he, or, or Paul is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, death. He said, and the other things are things that are present with us. And then there's some things that are to come that are, that are going to bless you. He said, all are yours. And then in that 23rd verse, he said, and you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. So Paul is telling us in this passage that death is a treasured possession. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard to hear. But it is important. Here's what David's saying. David's saying death is, is not just an enemy that has been defeated, but death is a servant that will bring things into your life that you will never have any other way. Now stay with me. Look what it says in Psalm 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the... Hard to say, isn't it? Hard to say. Y'all didn't say that very loud because it's hard for us to accept that. It's hard for us to, as humans, con consume that. But let's say it out loud. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saint. How can death be precious? It's right there. Paul said, for me to... To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Whoa, whoa, what does that mean? What do you mean I'm going to gain when I die? I'm so glad you asked me that because I wanted to answer it. When you die, you're going to gain physically because you're going to get a body just like the body Jesus has. I'll take it. I mean, this one's pretty awesome. But, but... I will take the body Jesus has. Listen, you're going to gain intellectually because you're going to know as you are. All this way you've been known that, that you could, when you get there, you're going to know, the Bible says, as you are known. It's going to be a gain physically, intellectually, and intellectually, some of y'all really need a gain right there. Physically, intellectually, emotionally, it's going to be a gain. You think you've worshipped down here. You think you've worshipped God down here? You don't even have the ability to worship God down here the way he wants you to. All those inhibitions will be removed in heaven. And you will literally worship him with your whole heart. Down here we try to worship him with our whole heart. There we will be enabled to worship him. And every time we worship, it will be with our whole heart. 
You will, be, you will gain physically. You will gain intellectually when you die. You will gain emotionally. You'll gain socially. Now, I know you like your friends and family down here, but think about who you're going to be hanging with up there. Sup, Abraham. What's up? Sup, Paul. Amen? Amen. Man, you're going to be with the saints of all the ages, and you're going to be with the Lord face to face. So that's pretty big social change. I know who some of y'all hang out with. Spiritually, it's going to be a gain for you because temptation and sin will be gone, and you will be one with Jesus when you get there like you've never, ever been one with Jesus. Mm. That's what he meant when he said to die is gain. I want you to look right down at the very bottom of your paper. There's only room to put two, so you have to put the third one on the back. Let me give you three reasons real quick, real quick, I promise, um, that death is a friend. Three reasons death is a friend. Because when it comes time for you to die, how many of you know, and you don't have to raise your hand or say amen, but just think about this question. How many of you know if the Lord doesn't come, all of us are going to come to the valley of the shadow of death? Every one of us. Every one of us. And you're going to need some things when you get there. And if you're a believer and you've received Christ, one of the things you're going to have is the presence of the shepherd at your death. The presence of the shepherd at your death will be there. He says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Now, here's an amazing thing to me. I just, I just saw this, and I don't know if it means anything to you. But do you know, up until today, through our study of the 23rd Psalm, all David has done is talk about the shepherd. But now, for the very first time, he talks to the shepherd. For the very first time, David goes, he goes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me, he leadeth me, he does. And now, listen, listen, listen. He's in the, he's in the dark valley. He's in the dark valley. There is nothing like being in the dark, dark valleys of life that will make you not talk about the shepherd, but start talking to him. Amen, amen. And he's in the dark, dark valley. And now he begins to talk to the shepherd. Why? Because he knows he's with him. He says, thou art with me. Listen, I love what this writer said I found. He said, he said at this moment, Jehovah, that highest name, the ultimate becomes David's intimate. And at death, if you know Christ, the ultimate will be your intimate at death when it comes time to pass. Jehovah will be right there by your bedside when it comes time to go through the valley. We used to sing a song when I was a little boy. Some of y'all sung it because you're as old as I am. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. And even though we don't sing that anymore much, it's still true. When it comes time for you to die, when it comes time to cross over, when it comes time to go through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't have to do it alone if you're a child of God. Amen, amen. All right, not only will you have his presence, but number two, you'll have his power because he says, when I get there, I'll not only be there myself, but I'll have my rod and my staff with me, and those are symbols of the shepherd's power. So when you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll have his presence to see you through to the other side, but you'll have the rod and the staff, 
And with the rod, he will protect you against the evils as you pass through the valley of the shadow of death. As Satan makes his last attempt to reach out and pull you into the pits of hell, he cannot, for you are a child of God, and the shepherd has his rod, and he protects you through the valley. Y'all with me today? And he's got his staff. You say, well, what's he doing with that? He's drawing you near to him. He's got you right under his arm. You just walk with me. You'll be all right. And he sees you through the valley to the other side. When I was a little boy, I developed a fear of the dark. And I, uh, I remember it vividly. And uh, my, my dad was a pastor. And I'll tell you what happened. I'm not putting any blame on my mom and dad. They did the best they could. But we moved every time we found cheaper rent. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> hey, there's a house for $50 a month. Pack it up. But we lived in six houses in two years. And I just developed a fear. It just, it just happened. And I, at night I couldn't sleep and I'd cry at night and I'd, I'd have to have mom come in, you know, or dad come in and, and uh, I'd sleep with me or I would go run one of them out of the bed so I could sleep with the other one. I, I just really developed a fear of, of the dark. And I remember during that process, my dad took us to the mountains for a vacation. And... Um, that's one thing about my daddy. Always took us on vacation. Might not be expensive, but we always went on vacation. I got to tell y'all something. I'm kind of getting off track right here. But I, I honestly didn't even know we were poor until I was about 25 years old. I thought we were rich. We get in the car and go to the mountains. I thought, what could be better than this? Mom, mom and dad would rent a hotel room, and my, they'd always find a hotel with a stove in the in the kitchen and and uh, a swimming pool and. Uh, you know, back then it was a sin to swim in eastern North Carolina, but you go west North Carolina and swim all you wanted to. And so, and so we go, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a sin to smoke, but uh, we'll take all the tobacco money you'll give us. But uh, am I pretty, did I say that? You know, there are inside words and outside words, and sometimes my inside words get outside. Anyway. We were going through the mountains in the big old station wagon, you know, and we were, uh, they were talking about, oh, yeah, there's a tunnel coming, there's a tunnel coming. Well, I wasn't happy about that. Matter of fact, it been good if you just hadn't mentioned it. And I remember my dad, uh, I told my dad, I don't want to go through that. And I started crying. I said, Daddy, I don't want to go. He said, come right up here beside me. I slid right up beside him. He said, I'm going to put my hand over your eyes. And he said, you won't even know when we come out. You won't even know. You won't know when we go in. You won't know when we come out. He, and I felt my daddy's arm. And I snuggled up under his arm. By the way, my daddy's preaching this morning out of church. Isn't that awesome? And he's, he pulled me up under his arm, put his hand over my eyes. I didn't know when we went in that tunnel. But I knew when we came out on the sunny side. And you know what I thought about? I thought about, you know, when I die. God's going to say, don't worry. He's going to say, get right here. Get right here beside me. And he's going to put his hand around me. He's going to put his hand over my eyes. He's going to say, you'll never know we went through the valley of the shadow of death. You'll never know. Then when we get on the other side, he'll say, look what you've got. Look what you've got. Oh, hallelujah. Wow. That's what God's going to do when it comes time to die. And I just welcome that. I welcome that. But then not only is there a 
a presence of God, the power of God, but there's a purpose. And what is the purpose of the valley of the shadow of death? The purpose is that you're, he's going to take you through it. You know what David knew? You know what David knew? David knew the heart of a shepherd. Now, this is important that you get this because some of y'all are already thinking about fried chicken. So I want you to listen up now. Listen up. Listen up. David knew, he knew a shepherd's heart. So David knew a shepherd would never, ever lead his sheep through anything like the valley of the shadow of death unless he was leading them to a better place. Every time you go through a valley, the purpose is that God is leading you to a better place. God doesn't just go, you know, I want to just mess them up. I really don't have a purpose. I just want to see them squirm. God, we don't serve a sadistic God who loves to see us squirm. Listen to me. If you're going through a valley this morning, it is because there's some lush green grass on the other end of that valley. Stop complaining and whining. And know that it's all temporary. The valley of the shadow of death is temporary. Every valley is temporary. And the last valley you go through, the death one, is temporary. Temporary. One fellow was asked, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? He said, I love that verse that says it came to pass. He said, why do you like that? He said, because I know it didn't come to stay. (laughs) Anybody need that word today? You're not just going into the valley. Jesus has kicked the end out of the grave. We're not going into the grave. We're going through the grave to the other side. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace. Divine his comfort. Hear my faith in him to dwell. All I know is whate'er befall me. Jesus doeth all things well. Don't forget that. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 that the devil keeps us in bondage through the fear of death. The devil keeps us in bondage in this life through the fear of death. Let me remind you, you are not ready to live in the now until you're no longer afraid of dying. You say, but my sin, my sin, preacher, what am I going to do with my sin? Simply put your faith where God the Father put your sin on his son Jesus. Put your faith on Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, our Savior, The sin, the iniquity of how many of us? All of us. Put your faith where God has put your sin on his son. God's calling you this morning to put your faith in Jesus. Would you bow your head? Can I ask you this morning, have you done it? Listen, it isn't enough to come in here and say, I like their music. I like the choir song. That was a nice little sermon. It isn't enough. I'm asking you this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? 
We want to be contemporary as a church, and we want to be relevant as a church, but we will not water down the gospel in this church. I'm asking you. I'm challenging you. I'm confronting you. Do you know Jesus? Are you ready to die? Where will you be five minutes after you die? Where will you be? You're going to be in one of two places five minutes after you die, and I'm asking you this morning, where will you be? There are hypocrites in the church, preacher. Big deal. So what? So what? There always has been, there is, and there always will be. I just see things in the church I don't understand. I'm kind of disillusioned. Get over it. Quit looking at the church and look at Jesus. The church has got faults and failures and blemishes, and, but not Jesus. Look at Jesus this morning. Don't say, I need Whitley, I need Pastor Fair. Don't say that. Say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Receive him today. Stop your running. Stop your flimsy excuses. You need Jesus. Open your heart today. Are you ready to die? Are you ready? Are you ready to go through the valley of shadow of death and know he's going to pull you near and cover your eyes? You say, I want to know that. Then ask Jesus right now, just like I prayed at the beginning of the service. It's the same story. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin and save me today. If you've prayed that today, if you've asked Jesus to come in, if you've just gotten tired of running and tired of all your flimsy excuses and you're ready to do business with God, you've asked Jesus into your life, you've received his death on your behalf, you've received his resurrection, You've received his forgiveness today. You don't know exactly how all this whole thing's going to be played out, but you're okay. You're trusting him. You're going to get in a church. You don't have to get in this one. You just get in any good church that preaches the Bible and let them help you. You say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready. I've committed to Jesus today. With every head bowed, nobody looking around. Would you just slip up your hand and put it right back now? If you slip it up, put, God bless you. God bless you. Father, we just ask you this morning to let your Holy Spirit sweep over this place. Draw us near to you, O oh God. Draw us near to you. God, we who are believers, some of us are believers, and we've been fearing death. We've been fearing it. God, don't let us fear death. Let us know that when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll be with us, and there's no need to fear. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Hey, guys, listen, I'm going to hang around up here at the front. If you want to talk to me, you want me to pray with you, I'll be happy to do that. We're so glad you came today. Visitors and guests, pick up your gift bag before you leave today. Thanks for coming to Whitley Church, guys. God bless you. You're the guy.